The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the fighter versus the writer. I'm your host as always, Damon Martin. He is Matt Brown and Matt for once. We're coming off a UFC pay-per-view where you and I picked the correct winners. Aren't we proud of ourselves? The first time for everything. (laughs) (laughs) But to be fair, one of us was questioning their pick pretty strongly by Saturday. I was, man. I was feeling, there was something about some of the stuff I saw in fight week that had me worried, man. I picked and I stuck with Israel Adesanya, but man, some of the, I don't know, the the press conference, the weigh-ins, like it just had me like questioning. And I was like, text you, I was like, I don't know about this pick, man. He's like too late to change it now. So I stuck with it, but I'm glad I did. Cause man, I tell you what, hell of a fight and, and, and a great comeback for Israel Adesanya to pull that off. But man, there's just something about their demeanor fight week that had me worried i was like i don't know man maybe it's going the other way and and i hadn't even questioned my pick one bit until you texted me and then all of a sudden i was like he is looking kind of skinny isn't he he's like he's does look a little off like yeah but But before that i never i thought everything looked great and then you put the doubt the worm of doubt into my mind turning I did. I dropped a seed of doubt and it started flourishing. Yeah, but that we stuck with our picks and uh, we ended up getting both of them right. Israel Adesanya got the knockout and Gilbert Burns got a pretty dominant win over Jorge Masvidal. So we'll get into all of that before we uh, before we talk about fight stuff from UFC 287. Let's get the uh, the camp update on the Immortal. How is uh, everything in these last? Basically, right now we're about a month out from the fight. Oh, it's beautiful, man. Um... Jesus, I feel great, man. I'll tell you what, I got to give a shout out to my boys at R3 Stem Cells down in Nashville. They've given me some stem cells about, I think I've been there three times now. Um, 
And I'll tell you what, man, my body just feels good, man. I feel healthy. Like the injuries that I usually have been dealing with the past few camps are just uh, getting mitigated. I'm feeling good and feeling fast, feeling sharp. Um, also got to give a shout out, which uh, to another guy of mine who I haven't given a shout out to lately. Um, his name is uh, Josh and he runs a fight mindset. He does his hypnosis training on me. Right. And I'll tell you what, I'd like to give a shout out to him one for the work that he does for the hypnosis. And he works with a few other fighters. He does amazing work and it's really cool stuff what he does. Um, but on a more serious note, not that that's not serious on a more, on a different note, you know, he's also been going through one of the hardest things I think a person could ever go through. He's been, uh, he needs a new kidney. So um, doing, I guess, maybe a favor for him. You know, if anyone out there would be willing to donate a kidney, which I know is a lot to ask, but uh, this guy needs one, man. You know, his life is on the line right now. He's been on dialysis for over a year now. And, uh, you know, the best I could do is give him a shout out to, on a public forum and try to help him out the best I can. So, um, but with those things, with that being said, the camp is just going great. I'm feeling phenomenal. And I expect a great performance here in about a month. I think we're out now, right? Uh, five weeks. Yeah. yeah, almost exactly. Yeah, a little over a month out now. And uh, where can where can people find Josh? They want to look him up. Does he have an Instagram? Does he have a page or anything? Yeah, his Instagram is Fight Mindset. Fine mindset. Okay, there you go. So people want to reach out or look out for his page. You can look on there. I'm sure there'll be information you can find there. Uh, yeah, that's serious, man. If someone can help, you know, somebody can help out. Somebody knows somebody. I mean, that's uh, that's how you get the word out right there. Get people to know and get tested, and you know, you never know. So uh, absolutely with that. And uh, yeah, and also we heard with your car, you got a new main event, which was kind of bizarre out of nowhere. Jalton Almeida and Jarzinho Rosenstrike, and now you got Anthony Smith and. Uh, and Johnny Walker is the co-main. I talked to Anthony last week and he was, he had no idea why he just got called and said, Hey, you're the co-main event. Now three rounds instead of five rounds. He has no idea why. Um, I don't get it either. I, I and it's nothing against Jarzinho Rosenstrike and, and, and Jalton Almeida, but to me, Anthony Smith and Johnny Walker are bigger names. And typically you want bigger names at the top of the car. I don't know. It was a weird, like, I, again, none of this affects you. Uh, but I was just like, that's a weird change. Uh, another weird thing I've seen also was I think that uh, according to the UFC website, the fight card starts at 3 p.m. The undercard prelims start at 11.30 a.m. on the East Coast. That's a very strange thing. Maybe there's a typo or something, but uh, I, I don't get me wrong. I was pretty excited when I seen that because I don't like fighting at 11 o'clock at night or 12 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know why they do it and for the fans and everything, but. I would be really excited to get to go fight at five o'clock in the in the afternoon. And you are correct. I'm looking at the time, unless it's a misprint, which generally they don't do that. It's a daytime card, Saturday main cards at 3 p.m. Uh, so yeah, there you go. So that's an interesting one. I did not know that. That's a new experience. So look at you telling me something. So uh, yeah, 3 p.m. Eastern. I don't know. I would assume we'd have to look at the schedule, but I would imagine since it's on ESPN, there's some sort of game or, you know, something yeah. going on that night where they need, you know, there's going to be another TV show or a, a sports game or something. They're going to broadcast that night. So that's probably why they're going early, but yes, it's 3 PM start time for the main card, which would mean, as you said, like 11 or noon for the prelims. Yeah. Which is great, man. I think uh, fighting at 
you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon. It's actually awesome for me. That's, you know, the normal time that I train. So uh, it's good. You know, I'm on the East Coast time. I can train my regular time. Um, so I'm pretty excited for that. Um, I did it. I think the only time I've ever fought in the afternoon was in uh, Vegas on the Apex card once. And it was awesome, man. Got out of there. It was when I fought Diego Lima. I remember now, you know, and um, got out of there. Uh, you know, I think it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. It's like <laughs> still got time to go get dinner and, you know, hang out with your boys and, you know, call home and do all that good stuff, man, where normally I'm out at, you know, one in the morning or midnight or something like at two in the morning if you're at the press conference or whatever. And, you know, they're in, like in Vegas, I guess there's some things you can do, right? There's still restaurants open and stuff. People are still out. But in 90% of towns, like, you're you're done, right? Yeah. Here when I fought in Columbus last year, right? I, I missed my own after party because I got out too late. <laughs> yeah, that's it always cracks me up when they do after parties on the East Coast. The, the event's over at like 1.30 or whatever, and it's like there's nothing going to be open in like an hour. Like nothing's going to be open past like 3 a.m. on the East Coast. So, yeah, you're pretty much screwed. And I know you lived in Vegas for a little while. So I guess maybe that, yeah, but this, and this is in Charlotte too. So, I mean, I guess, you know, you'll be out worst case scenario, you'll be out by like 6 or 7 PM. So you're at the worst. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you have your whole evening. I assume you're probably not going to hang out in Charlotte for days after either. No, that's not really my style. I like to get back home, see my kids, hang out and, uh, you know, get, get back to life, man. You know, (laughs) because like when, you know, basically from now until then, um, I'm not thinking about May 14th, right? It's, everything is May 13th, and I'm going to go in there and put on the best that I can and um, go in there and beat this guy's ass. So um not even thinking about May 14th. So it always feels great to just get out of there and, uh, and get back to normal life. And it, it takes me at least three or four days, at least just maybe even longer than that, just to feel like you're back in reality again, you know, like back to – normal life those first few days you still feel like you're kind of separated from the world and uh and and there's also like every text you get is about the fight every you know everybody's calling you about the fight everybody comes see you that's what they're talking about and that's what's going on so it takes a little bit of time for you just kind of get back to reality you know and you gotta call your tax guy and be like hey you know how much do i owe and you know should i put something in my fucking ira or you know whatever it is and uh so yeah, those first few days, man, I I like to just be home and you know just kind of settle back down and eat some good food, man, and relax and be with my girl and do a podcast on that Monday. I'm just throwing that out there as an idea, you know. So. You, know you know, bro. You know we will. <laughs> you know, we have to, yeah, right? no, it's gonna be good. It'll be good. But yeah, it's 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 crazy. That I like that though. I dig that. I love the afternoon cars. Like when they went to England a couple of weeks ago and they were there, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like get done early and. Yeah, so that's cool. So hopefully that works out. And, yeah, it should be fun, like I said, coming up well, a little over a month out. Yeah, well, the only downside, I guess, is, like, for the West Coast, I mean, the prelims, like, no one's going to get up at 8.30 to watch <laughs> the prelims on UFC Charlotte. Yeah, I guess that's true. That is true. Yeah, it's just, it is weird, though, because it's like, why? But there's got to be something going on that night. There's, yeah. you know, baseball game or basketball game or football or something's going on that night where they can't – they got – broadcast deal where they're doing the early show yeah, for the UFC and the leading in. I, I, I thought the same thing myself, but like what 
everything the only sports that are in season are in season like baseball is well you know, it's not you like know the what? world series and i i bet it's gonna be i bet i bet it's basketball playoffs would be my guess because basketball playoffs start soon i think they start like this week or next um and they'll still be going on in may so it's probably one of the big basketball games i'd imagine like probably one of like playoff oh, like games NBA, not, not yeah NBA, yeah yeah college is over but i'd imagine given the timing now that i'm thinking about it, it's probably an nba playoff game to be honest like and they're going to use okay. the ufc it'll be ufc leading into the nba playoff game would be my guess okay or it could be even the finals because huh? that's still five yes yeah, i mean that's yeah it's still five weeks so yeah i think i think they're i don't really watch nba but i think it starts this week or next so that would time out right because there's like four rounds so there's a lot you know a lot of a lot of games so i'd assume that would probably be about right so yeah there you go so probably basketball and uh, you get an afternoon card out of it, which is good, especially when you're on the East Coast, because you know, you know as well as I do, when you fight on the East Coast, man, you're you're literally because at least when you fight in Vegas, you're done at like ten or eleven. Out here, you're not done to like one or two uh, in the morning, like two a.m. So that like fighting at three o'clock in the afternoon is definitely a rare treat. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I fought in Columbus last year, I got out, and um, I actually had to go to the hospital, which was. I think more because my age more than because of actual punishment or anything. They just wanted to be extra safe. But, you know, I got back to my, got to my after party about one thirty, I think it was. And like the place was closed it out. The only, only <laughs> person there was Coleman. <laughs> he still, he, he was saved me a piece of steak and a piece of cake. And, and that was all that was left. He'd done ravaged everything else. Where, where was your after party? Because I didn't get an invite, so I just assumed like there wasn't one, so I had no oh, idea. Yeah, well, no, it was a, it was a private party. Uh, Body Armor put it on. They they helped me out a lot. Of, uh, and um, it was a private party, like six or eight people. Uh, I was at Jeff Ruby's, which is the oh, best okay, thing yeah. in town. Yeah. You've never been there. you got to check it out. Or if you're in the Cincinnati area, you got to check it out. Uh, Jeff Ruby's is amazing. Yeah, so I get there, and there's, you know, Coleman done ravaged everything and everybody <laughs> left and he's just kind of hanging out by himself, like eating steaks, still. <laughs> but he had a piece safe for me. So, <laughs> you know, all the years, all the years I've covered MMA, I don't generally go to after parties because a, like mostly I'd say 99% of the time I'm working, I have to process interviews and write. Yeah. And so I never, I've, but I, I did one post fight party my entire life and it was in Pittsburgh when the UFC went there and I went to Joe Lozon's after party, but it wasn't an after party because Joe Lozon's not really an after party guy. It was at Permani Brothers. If you know what that is in Pittsburgh, the restaurant, it's like a sandwich restaurant. And it just had, he just had sandwiches for all his friends and family. And so I showed up there, like after I got up to press conference, I showed up there and I uh, had a sandwich with Joe Lozon. Uh, that's literally the only post fight party I've ever been to in the 20 years I've been covering the sport. I've never been to another one. <laughs> Was it a good sandwich? It was a good sandwich. It was a good time. It was just like, that was because I'm not, I'm not a big drinker and I really hate nightclubs. So I'm just like, you're not going to get me into a place with like the thumping music unless, you know, you get me to a concert, you can get me to like a kill switch engage concert. I'll do that for an after party. But uh, yeah, I don't really have any interest in going to a nightclub. And so when he's like, no, nah, dude, I'm gonna have mine at Permani brothers. I was like, all right, now you got me interested. You got me kind of interested in this after party. Was that the Pittsburgh card that I bought on? I think so. I think that's the only one, isn't it? That that one card was there. Is there another one? Was it? Uh, I have no idea. I know that I fought on one there. Is all I know. And uh, I, I was that party. That, that was the one you fought, Daniel Roberts. Uh, no, I, I've never fought him. I fought. Uh, the, who am I? Who am I thinking of? Mm, Hold on. I remember who I fought there. It might have been John Howard. 
That's what it was. John Howard. No, I don't know why I said Daniel. I was thinking of John Howard. That's who it was. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's the one. Because uh, Daniel Roberts fought on that card because I remember. Hold on. Let me look at this card. That's going to bug me now. I got to pull this up. Uh, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? Because I know I saw you that week. I know I talked to you that week. I'm just trying to remember um, if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly or if I'm just completely losing my mind. Uh, there it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was okay. There's two. There were two Pittsburgh cards. Okay. Yeah, Daniel Roberts. Daniel Roberts was on that card. The reason I remember Daniel Roberts being on that card was because uh, he's yeah he's a welterweight. Okay, I was right. Um, the reason I remember Daniel Roberts being on that card is because after the weigh-ins. Um, him and Gilbert Melendez, who was his coach, was there, and I've known Gil for years. They wanted to go get pasta for their after weigh-in meal. Well, if you remember where that fight was, the fighter hotel was out by the airport. That's like yep. 30 minutes away from downtown. It's like way out there. Like I don't know why they put the fighters out in the in the hotel by the airport. It's like way the hell out there. So they're like, after the weigh-ins, him and Daniel Roberts, those guys were like, hey, would you mind giving us a ride to a restaurant? So I had my car with me. And he's like, would you mind giving us a ride to a restaurant? We want to eat some pasta after the weigh-ins. So I was like, sure. So I drove them to like an Olive Garden or one of the, you know, like one of the chain, you know, pasta restaurants uh, in Pittsburgh because they had no way to get around. And the, the shuttle was going to take them all the way back to the host hotel at the freaking airport, which was like 30 minutes away. So I was like, yeah, I'll take you. So I remember, that's how I remember Daniel Roberts being on that car. So I took him to a, took, took him to an Olive Garden or something after the weigh-ins. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that was the card, Nate Marcourt, um, when he got tested positive or something, right? That was, yeah. Yep, that was. It was, uh, yeah, that, that exactly was. It was Czech Congo, Matt, uh, Pat Berry was the main event, that crazy comeback yeah, knockout. crazy fight, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there was, yeah you're absolutely right. That you're, yeah, good memory. I completely forgot. I, there was another Pittsburgh card, too, because I know. Well, it's probably easier the- for me to remember being that. I fought on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, Joe Lozon. Yeah, Joe Lozon fought Kurt Warburton on that card. That's that was his card. Uh, Charles Oliveira fought Nick Lentz on that card. Uh, let's see who else. Tyson Griffin was on that. Matt Mitrione and Christian Moorcraft, Charlie Brenneman and Rick Story, and then Chet Congo and Pat Barry. Yeah, man, it's a, that's a classic card. That is that pretty, is a pretty good card. Really, pretty good was that? I assume you stayed at the host hotel, correct? Yeah. Do you remember that was the one where Obama was there? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I showed up and President Obama was at that same hotel. And so when you got there, you had to go through some insane security because I got there and they had to check my bag and they were like searching me down. I was like, what the hell is going on? And it was because President Obama was there. I remember that. I was like, holy crap. Like it was so intense because like they had like, I mean, it was like hardcore security, obviously understandable why. But uh, I was like, what the hell's going on here? And then they're like, yeah, President Obama's here. I was like, oh, geez. So it was at the same yeah, hotel where the fighters were staying. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And right? I remember one of the UFC staff said they went down to do a workout. And he was uh, down. It was, uh, it was um, uh, what was his name? Uh, the guy, who, the, the Burt, Burt Watson. Oh, was it Burt? Okay. Yeah, Burt. I remember because Burt said he got to meet him. Burt said he got to meet Obama. He went down to like the sauna, like the workout area, and he got to meet Obama wild stuff <laughs> good yeah. times man yeah god why is that wait, what year was that that feels like a lifetime ago uh 2011 yeah. god that was that long ago jeez man that doesn't that doesn't seem right they did this 2011 13 12 years ago god yeah we're getting crazy. old matt we're getting old yeah well they, they, i don't think they've come back to pittsburgh 
since they should they need to man because i just i just drove out there i'm like two and a half hours away so yeah yeah no i lived in pittsburgh for several years so it was like a, a super quick I, I wasn't living there at the time i was living in, in uh ohio but i lived in pittsburgh for like six years so yeah it was a return so yeah anyways uh yeah good stuff so uh another afternoon card this time around at ufc charlotte so let's get into it matt of course UFC 287 this past week and Israel Adesanya got his revenge second round knockout against Alex Pereira the fourth time they fought this time Israel Adesanya uh, got it done and I I told several people during the fight and like before the fight and after the fight I said I never had a good I never had a great reason why I thought Israel Adesanya was going to win I just said I refuse to believe someone as good as him was going to lose to the same guy for a fourth time. And when he knocked him out, I was like, all right, I was justified because I just, I couldn't like, I couldn't give you, I, I ought to this day. I can't give you a good reason why I was sold. He was going to win the fight. I just couldn't believe he was going to lose to somebody for a fourth time. And boy, did he pull it out, man, in, in spectacular fashion. Well, I think that's exactly right. And when you got guys fighting at that level with that skill set, um, it's hard to beat a guy four times, you know? And, you know, when I I didn't watch the fight till Sunday, right? I, I don't like staying up so late at night any, anymore, you know, especially when I'm in camp. I, I, I do an exact bedtime every night, exact wake up every morning. Um, so I watched it Sunday. Now, it was kind of interesting watching it already knowing who won. And something kind of popped in my head when I watched it on Sunday, knowing that Izzy had already won. And as I'm watching him walk out, I thought, you know, the one overlooked part of this whole thing, we we all seen is all the pressure on Adesanya, right? Because he lost three times before. This is the monster in his closet, all that. The pressure really, there was a lot of pressure also on Alex that I think maybe got overlooked a little bit where, you know, for one, he's the champion, right? Uh, and being a champion in glory versus being a champion in the UFC are very different things, right? You know, now you have media obligations, you have, um, you know, the hype, you have, you know, uh, just a completely different amount of love and admiration and uh, people wanting to talk to you and uh, be a part of your, your life and, you know, get a piece of that pie, right? All these things. Um, so I think there was a lot of pressure on him. And it kind of also brought into my mind that, you know, when, say I'm, I train with a guy every day at the gym, uh, even not not a great guy, like it'd just be, you know, maybe an amateur or somebody decent or something. If I keep doing the same thing over and over to them, even if they're not good, like they're going to pick up on it, right? And they don't even have to be that good to be able to start figuring out a way to counter. And then I have to evolve my game. So Alex has done this three times, you know, I didn't see where he really evolved his game much more. Whereas Izzy did, he knew the mistakes that he made. He knew what he had to do to fix the, what was broken. Where Alex is like, dude, I did it three times. I, I just got to go do it again. But now also all the pressure is on him. You're supposed to win. You beat him three times. So I think these are, you know, when I rewatched it the next day, these are some of the things that kind of came to my mind that I think, Maybe we kind of overlooked it. Maybe that's where that gut feeling came from. Yeah, and also, you know, something that Israel said after the fight, and I know it's true, but I didn't really think about it beforehand, but by every measurable, like, you know, metric in our sport, Alex Pereira shouldn't have been there. 
I mean, he hadn't really gone. He right. hadn't really earned. He hadn't really. I mean, again, being honest, he hadn't really earned that shot. He got it because he had beaten Israel twice in kickboxing at that point. Like it wasn't because he was truly the number one contender and he had laid ways to Whitaker and Vittori and all the guys that had been contenders for all those years. He beat, I mean, he did beat a good, you know, he beat Sean Strickland. That's a good win, but that's not like, you know, he didn't go through a murderer's row to get there. You know what I mean? And you right. wonder like, and, and, the, and to the UFC's credit, there's a good chance he would have lost one of those fights, and then you don't get it. Like, they had to do it. And listen, it turned out to be a great story because he did end up beating Israel, became champion. But I kind of I kind of lost track of that because he, he seemingly had Israel's number that I kind of lost track of the fact that, again, Alex is like an eight-fight MMA fighter, you know? Yeah, and he's in, like, yeah. his fourth UFC with fight. The, again, with a world title. Yeah, and he's, and he's like four fights in his UFC. He said like eight fights total, four fights in the UFC. Like it, and I agree with you. Like, listen, Glory is a great organization, and they put on great cards. But it's not the UFC. It's not that the same uh, level of the and uh, kickbox again. Well, I have well, tremendous you, respect. It's just not the same. Exactly. When you're you're two weight world champion like he was <laughs> in Glory, and and he walks down the street of Miami. Maybe one guy recognizes him. <laughs> yeah. as somebody that's a, a hardcore fan. After he beat Adesanya, you know he's not walking anywhere, not getting recognized, and and people are worshiping him, right? And that plays mental tricks on you, man. Yeah, it's weird. Like again, I think again, I'll I'll fully admit it. I got lost in the fact that he had beaten him three times, and again, I picked Israel. I picked Israel to win, but you're absolutely right. Like the pressure was on, and again, that's a different level of pressure when. There, I mean, listen, I don't think that, that Alex was lacking confidence, but somewhere deep down inside, you got to think about it. Like, you're eight fights, nine fights, whatever it is in your career. You're already a champion, and you're facing this guy who you've been, you know, you've been called his boogeyman. You're the guy who's supposed to be able to beat. But in all reality, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't go through blood, sweat, and tears to get to him. You did have a good knockout over a quality opponent, Sean Strickland, but you didn't have to go through a laundry list of top middleways to get there. And so, I don't know. Maybe doubt creeps in, and then you're then you got to deal, like you said, you got to deal with the media and the press conference. Now you're the champion. You're no longer the challenger coming after the champion. You're the every, all eyes are on you. Expectations are higher, all those kind of things. So yeah, I mean, and and also we got to remember he was technically the underdog. Like they still had Israel favored yeah. to win because Israel won, you know, the majority of their last fight. Yeah. He got caught in the fifth round and got and got finished, but he won the majority. So Alex and to Alex's credit, he looked good early. He had a good yeah. first round and he had a really good second round. Really did the leg kicks, man. He had damaged Israel's leg, but then. It was almost like a repeat at the end of the first round of the last fight where it seemed like he got a little overconfident and he threw offense and forgot to play defense. And, yeah, and when you watch the way that Izzy fought also, uh, you know, the biggest adjustment that I've seen Izzy make was he wasn't trying to neutralize Alex Pereira anymore. He was firing back and he, you know, he claims that he trapped him, you know, did a little rope-a-dope type thing against the cage. And I think that, you know, that's true. Um, but, it, you know, doing things like, like you just can't say enough good things about Israel Adesanya, man. Like this was to me is probably the most epic, it, you know, wasn't a comeback, you know, necessarily like in within the fight, but overall it was a comeback story. And this is, has to be the most epic comeback story in the history so far. And, um, 
I mean, he overcame everything in this fight. I said it before the fight, this was for his legacy. And boy, did he go out and fucking define his legacy and put a fucking stamp on it. Um, hopefully they get to fight again and we get to see, you know, kind of the final chapter of the story. But, um, you know, you just can't say enough good things about Israel Adesanya, man, you know, to come out and do it that way. And the way he fought, it felt to me like he fought ballsier this time. Like he had that confidence, even though he'd been knocked out twice by this guy and lost the third time. Like he fought with confidence. He fought knowing that this was going to happen. He fought like with pure belief and, and, uh, and confidence. And uh, it's just amazing, man. Like to be able to come out and do that. He did. I feel like the first MMA fight, he was really defensive, right? Like he would kind of like touch and go or touch and grab. And this time he was like, he's like, I'm, I'm going to fucking hurt you this time. And he did exactly that. You know what else I loved about it? And I actually really do believe in the whole rope-a-dope angle because if you remember one thing we talked about in the, in the breakdown leading into the fight, the biggest mistake that Israel made and one of the biggest mistakes that he made in the last was he kept backing up against the cage and allowing allowing Alex to trap him there and, and unload because that's one guy you don't want to have trapped is Alex just staying there teeing off on you. He didn't do that in this fight until... The end. He allowed himself yeah. to get backed up there, and that's why when he did that, I was like, "This." When he when he said it later, and he's like, he kind of rope a dope to me, kind of you know, kind of lured him in. I believe him because he didn't do that the rest of the fight. He was doing that right. constantly in the other fight. He kept backing up, backing up, backing up, and now we're like, "Stop doing that! You can't do that to Alex Pereira." He didn't do it this time. He was circling. He was throwing offensively. He had Alex on a back step. They were very you center of the octagon. They were not backing up. When he backed up that time, my first thought was, uh-oh, here we go. And Alex yeah. and Alex started teeing off. I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. And then when Israel knocked him out, and then when he talked about it later, I was like, you know what? I believe him because he had not backed up to that point in the fight. He lured him in. I, try, I totally believe he did that because he yeah. lured him in. He's like, okay, you did it to me last time. Come forward. And when he did, he caught him. And, boy, you could not ask for a better exclamation point on a fight than to knock out the guy that had knocked you out twice. And, and it was nasty. And, um, I know you said third fight, my, or I guess fifth fight, third fight in MMA. My initial instinct was that also like you fought twice. Let's do it again. But here's the thing. And I will say this, there's options out there. Obviously, you know, Jan Blahovich suddenly said, I'll drop down to 185 and fight you. That's interesting. Oh, wow. He has a win. He has a win over Israel. That'd be kind of fun. Maybe another revenge fight for Israel. Um, Obviously, Hamza Chamayev is coming down to 185. I think he needs to get a win first before he can get to Israel, but that's interesting. The wrestling, the power I of Chamayev. He's fighting uh, uh, Costa today. A lot of rumors. A lot of rumors. It's not It's not done yet, but there's a lot of rumors he might fight Costa in October. Um, uh, it's right before we jumped on. I seen that. It, it, I don't know if it's a good source or not, but they said it was confirmed. I don't. It, might it was Chelsea. It was Chelsea, and was the source. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but I have I have heard legitimate rumors about that. Just nothing's done. It's October. It's the Abu Dhabi card. I don't think they've really really put it together yet. But I know that's one they're talking about. Like there is legitimate interest there. If he beats Paulo Costa, Hamza Chimaev. Here's the one thing I'll say about Pereira. I agree in principle. Like they they should fight again. But here's what I would say, though. I'd really like to, if Alex is going to stay at middleweight, and I know Dana said, you know, maybe he goes to light heavyweight, he'll be healthier there, and he'll be better there. Maybe that's true. 
But if he's going to stay at middleweight, I'd like to see him get one win over another legitimate guy. Like it's not that it's not that he doesn't deserve it because he does have the rivalry with Adesanya. But uh, I like to see him go out there and get tested. Like, I, you know, Whitaker is a great example. Whitaker's got two losses to Israel. He's not going to fight Israel again. If you can beat Robert Whitaker, then I have zero problem with you fighting Israel Adesanya again. But if you can't, and I don't know that he can, because Robert Whitaker is a, um, I mean, he's a motherfucker, man. That is one you do like. Robert Whitaker is a bad dude. Uh, then move on. And it's not because I don't like Alex Pereira and I don't want, you know, like whatever. I just, I, I want to see him walk through the fire one more time because he got there under the condition that he had fought Israel and beat Israel. Now he did beat him credit to him for doing it. But I think I, if it's Hori, one of these guys, like one of these top guys that's been there, I think he's got to go through one of those guys to get back to Israel again. Yeah. I think I totally understood. I, I think, you know, if they do it a third time, it's like, you know, it's for the story, right? And that's uh, but that's what sells. So that's what I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing it for that my damn self, right? I just I want to see the story come to a close, and one of them wins the end of the book, right? Like that's I want to see a victor. You know, right now it feels to me like they're even, um, but you know, whatever happens, happens. It, you know, if Alex has to fight another guy, go two or five, whatever it is. You know, I, I again we we talk about uh, how many times do you say like throw the word deserve out of your mouth like that's not what this is about and the story of Brera Adesanya three uh, it just I can't see it get any bigger than that I mean especially in middleweight that and that's what I want to see I mean that stokes me up that fires me up so <laughs> high level and uh the last thing I would add you know on this is the one thing I was happy to see that Adesanya did versus the second fight which we were just talking about a minute ago um you know, in the second fight, I get the feeling that he kind of relied on being able to wrestle Alex a little bit and probably put a little bit of emphasis, maybe too much emphasis in his camp on the wrestling. And I felt like this fight, he just threw that out the window and said, I'm not wrestling you. You're not wrestling me. We're doing a kickboxing match and I'm fucking you up. <laughs> and I commend him for that, right? Like that took balls for him to do that. That took courage. That took bravery. I took all the things that that uh, qualify a champion like Adesanya, and I think you got to start putting him in the top five goat list now. Yeah, I think I think you know I still think there's a little bit of work to do to catch up to Anderson. I, I just I can't not put Anderson number one all time in middleweight, but Israel is number two without a doubt. Um, and I think there's a world where he can pass him. Like there's a world where he can pass yeah. Anderson Silva. Especially My question is, is there a world where he can pass him with less title defenses? Yeah. I, the title defenses are impressive. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's a, that's an incredible. And I've said many times, Matt, that it bugs the hell out of me that champions don't defend their titles anymore, that everyone wants to jump divisions and champ champ and all this shit. Like, dude, defend. Like, you know what's tough? Do what Demetrius Johnson did. Do what Anderson yeah. Silva did. Do what GSP did. That's what's hard is defending your title. Because we just saw it. Kamar Usman looked as dominant as any champion. He was number one pound for pound. He lost to Leon Edwards. Israel Adesanya was on a run. Seven fights in a row, whatever. He lost a prayer. It is hard to defend your title eight, nine, 10, 11 times. That being said, I think Israel can do it under two conditions. One, he continues to do what he's doing, continue to put wins together. He can't break the record now because he'd have to go through, you know, he'd have to start a right. 10 fight. So he can't do that. 
And the other thing is, get out while the getting's good. And what I mean by that is, is, is keep winning and then either retire on top or know when to walk away because I, I love Anderson Silva. I adore that guy. I've, I, I was lucky enough to be around him for the biggest, even before he was, I saw him fight in, in uh, rubble on the rock in Hawaii. So I've been around Anderson Silva so much of his career. I love that dude, but I am a big believer in, you can't just discount a guy's entire career because he had one incredibly great run. Anderson was as dominant and as good as anybody in the sport, but we can't just erase that he lost to Weidman, that he lost to Weidman again, that he lost to Bisping. Now, again, this later in his career, he was older. Yes, I understand. I'm not saying it diminishes what he did. I'm just saying that you can't ignore it when you're stacking it up to other people. Like Anderson, like GSP went out on top. He didn't go out losing five in a row. He didn't go out losing yeah. bad fights. I'm going to disagree with you on that because I think, you know, if any fighter keeps fighting, like that happens, right? There's a there's sort of a contraction and expansion in every fighter's career, right? Like all the, you're firing on all the cylinders and then you're going to, you know, you're going to start misfiring. It's just a natural well, thing. Well, and I, but, I don't disagree. But when, I don't... About, but when we talk about comparing GOAT against GOAT, you know, we're talking about the prime versus the prime, not what happened at the end. Well, here, no, I'm not disagreeing there. What I'm saying is for Israel, though, the way Israel can pass Anderson without the title defense streak is to continue winning these big fights and then get out before he gets before he goes to that level is what I'm saying. That's where he would one up Anderson a little bit because Anderson did, even when he was still technically in his prime, when he lost to Weidman. He got a little cute and Weidman put him out and you go, okay, that's, let's just say that's the, that let's say that's the equal to the prayer thing, uh, which I disagree with because Chris Weidman was a vastly more experienced fighter than, than, than uh, yeah. prayer was at that point. But uh, if he can go out there and win a few more and, 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 you know, and, and like if he goes out there and beats Chemaev and he can go out there and beat Pereira for a second time and maybe he beats Blahovich at 185, he vanquishes that demon. Um, then I think, yeah, that's how he does it because he will have equal total number of fights and he'll have impressive wins. And if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't go on a long streak of losing or just sticking around too long, uh, and we don't have memories of that, I think it, that's where you talk about he could trump Anderson. I'm not saying Anderson, I just said Anderson's the greatest middleweight of all time without question. Like, I still have number one. My point is when you start comparing records or comparing resumes, I think that's where Israel could could jump him is because if he goes out, at, he has two losses on his record, and I think he's like twenty and two or twenty two and two, whatever the record is. If he retires at thirty and two as champion, done to me. You know, like that's something Anderson didn't do. Fair enough. Yeah, I guess I, I when I think of a um, kind of guys that like Khabib, right? That's the first thing that comes to my mind. You know. He retired on top, and therefore, a lot of people kind of put him up there as, you know, a lot of people put him as the greatest of all time. And, you know, we first off, we all know that this is such a arbitrary argument, right? This it is. is a, it really it's is. It's a pointless argument, right? We're just, you know, kind of talking opinion versus opinion. It's not You can't really go fact versus fact here and, and say, like, this is how it is. It's just you know, feeling versus a feeling, right? And so I think there's a lot of biases that come in and, you know, it's kind of what do you gauge versus what do I gauge and things like that. But, um, you know, I like to see guys fight, you know, I guess till the wheels fall off when you're talking about the greats because I want to see how far they can go. 
um, and then, you know, be, continue to test themselves. I think that's a, a part of greatness, uh, personally, you know, is, is testing yourself beyond, uh, you know, still having that fire to come back, even though you did lose, right? Like, I love Khabib, you know, no disrespect to him at all, but like he retired on top and, uh, you know, we didn't get to see how far he could go. And, you know, he didn't push the threshold, didn't push that limit, didn't live on the edge. That's what I like to see, you know, and, uh, you know, when when you kind of take that away, GSP, um, somewhat of the same, you know. I think he pushed a little farther, but, um, yeah, I just I like to see that personally. Well, I agree with you on Khabib. I think Khabib is a, is a different case because he was just getting into his run when he retired. Like, he had just beaten Gaethje, he had just beaten Poirier, and, like, you're like, okay, He's about to he's about to rip off like a nine fight you know title yeah. events and then he retired he retired early and while I do think he is one of the greatest he's not the me the greatest I mean to me again this and as you said it's all arbitrary there's no right or wrong answer I always put John Jones number one because a couple of factors one is the laundry list of guys he's beaten he's basically undefeated and he's done it for a decade plus that matters to me. He he became a champion in 2011. He's been a champion basically since then. Has he royally messed up and done stupid things to lose the title and say, sure, absolutely. Uh, and I know, of course, we got to talk about the PED accusations, all that kind of stuff, but doing it for 12 years on top and beating the absolute best guys in the world and beating Daniel Cormier, who is, you know, could easily be in that same conversation now doing it at heavyweight. Like that's why I put Jones and GSP and Anderson ahead of a guy like Habib, who I think is amazing, but Habib got out three, you know, he got out like right as he started to hit his peak. hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, when you really get, when you really get into the weeds of it, and uh, like when we talk about John Jones and I'm going to, I'll just discount any PED stuff. Cause the fact is, you know, I, I'm a firm believer the vast majority of guys that once they make enough money, like they're probably doing some shit, uh, like 99% they're doing some shit. Uh, I'm a firm believer that the whole USADA thing is just simply uh, for optics for the UFC. And, it, and the, the the biggest thing that it does is keep the, the poorer guys at a disadvantage and the wealthier guys at an advantage and whatever. We You know, that's a whole different conversation. But if we cancel all that out, you know, when you look at John Jones, not only the the fucking win streak and the title defenses and all, but the way that he did it, like with ease. And like, like you see mentioned Daniel Cormier, he didn't just beat Daniel Cormier, he knocked him out. Yeah, and, and like he took Daniel Cormier down. He, he must have been the only person to ever take <laughs> Cormier down, I'm sure, right? Like no, no one's even, probably didn't even try, right? <laughs> You know, so when you look at the method, and, you know, it looks like he's not even trying most of the time. So, yeah, it's, it, by far, John Jones. Yeah, and that's why I said I think John Jones, GSP, Anderson, Demetrius Johnson's in that list. Like, and these are guys who did it for a long time. And again, it's not a knock on Khabib, and I understand why he retired. His dad passed away. He made a promise to his mom. I'm never going to fault that guy. He made a lot of money. He's happy now. So I'm not faulting him for doing what he did and getting out. I'm just saying that he got out right when he was starting to really hit that peak. Had he gone, had he still been going and, and doing what, you know, obviously continued where Islam is now at. But if he had beaten Volkanovsky and he had beaten, you know, Oliveira and all these other guys, 
um, then he would probably be in that. He would probably be, it'd probably be him and Jones, like as like the top two as guys who never face defeat and they just beat everybody. But he got, and again, I don't fault him. Good for you. Like I got no problem that he got out. And you know what? I'm sure as he's laying on piles of cash, he didn't give a shit that we don't think he's number one. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, that's where I put guys like John Jones and George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva and Demetrius Johnson, guys who did it just over just in incredibly long stretches of time. That because that's the that's man that's the hardest thing. Like I just talked about the title defenses. Like it's just so hard to stay on top or near the top for a decade. Like that's so fucking hard. Yes, and uh, <laughs> speaking of long reigns or not reigns, I guess, but you know, guys have been around for a long time. Like. How about Masvidal and Burns, bro? Like, that was a fucking uh, – what a performance by Burns, man. Gilbert looked great. Uh, great game plan. Went in there, took it to Jorge. Man, I tell you what, I tell you what, I one thing I super impressed me in that fight was, my God, Masvidal has a chin. He took some, he took some shots that I guarantee you would have put guys out. I mean, Burns hit him with some bombs, and, and, and he hurt him. But Masvidal wouldn't go down, man. I was like, good God. Like, I know Masvidal said afterwards, he's like, I just, I, I don't feel the same anymore. Dude, your chin didn't go anywhere because Gilbert Burns hit him with some shots and he kept coming. I was like, holy shit, how's he standing? And, you know, he, he looked like he didn't feel the same also. You know, when you looked at his demeanor, his posture. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. 
That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You know, smiling at birds when you hit them, kind of knowing that he's down and not really going for it. Um, I got the feeling that what he said was very authentic. It's weird too because, as we said, that fight for for Masvidal was, I mean, complete. You know, one eighty one one way or the other. He was either going to potentially get a title shot against Leon Edwards, or he was going to retire. We talked about that leading into the fight, and that's exactly what played out. He lost, didn't look like himself, didn't feel like himself, and he retired. And you know, again, Masvidal's made a lot of money. Um, and, and he said this is the weird thing when you become a superstar in this sport. You can't really go back from that. And what I mean by that is, is you can no longer work your way up the ranks, really. Like, you are now a superstar. You're going to put on big fights and fights that can sell pay-per-views. Masvidal can't go back to the first fight on the undercard and fight the number 15-ranked welterweight and work his way back up because he's getting paid a lot of money and they want to put him out there and sell pay-per-views. He's not in a position now where he can work his way back up. Um, there's, there's the one, maybe a little bit of danger in becoming a superstar and suddenly you can't just fight anybody and you can't like, you know, Hey, I need a, you know, I need to, I need to get back in there and like go down. Like he's got rivalry fights and whatever. So, um, there was no going back from as at all. And he made a lot of money and good for him. And again, well, the other, yeah, the other side of that coin too, though, is that now with him retiring, there's so many opportunities for him to make more money than he would in the UFC you know, fighting fucking Logan Paul, Jake Paul, or, uh, you know, or Nate Diaz or, you know, his own show, you know, uh, Roy Jones type thing or Anthony, even Anthony Pettis. You know, there's so many other opportunities. And we all know he's a boxer at heart. He's going to go box. We, I think we all know this. Yeah. I mean, he says he's not, but I mean, come on now. Everyone always says that. Like, you know, we know everyone like, you know, we, you know, Marlon Marias retired three months later. He signs with PFL. That's just how it works. We know he's going to get home. He's going to get in the gym. He's going to get an opportunity. And he had a great relationship with the UFC. They're going to be like, yeah, dude, go box, go box, Anthony Pettis, go box, Logan Paul or Jake Paul or Nate Diaz and make your money and good for him. Like I said, I have no problem with that. And Listen, dude, you know, we've talked about retirement, things like that before. You know, everyone's got their own path. There is no right or wrong answer to it. You know what I mean? Some guys are done at 32. Other guys are done at 46. There's no right or wrong answer to it. And if he felt done, good for him. And go do your thing, man. Um, Masvidal was a, was a – here's one thing I'll say about Masvidal. I said it kind of on Twitter the other day. Like, for years, he was, like, the underappreciated guy. Like, everyone knew Masvidal – and everyone was like, oh, my God, dude, Masvidal's a monster. But he just never – he never got press. He never – you know, he was never that dude. He was never, like, the Scarface gangster that he turned into. And then, you know, after he had that long layoff and he basically came back and more or less said, fuck it, and then went out there and knocked out Darren Till, knocks out Ben Askren, and then the rest is history. But, like, I think people forget, like, how long Masvidal's been fighting. Yeah, I, I've been watching him for many, many years. So, yeah, I know that for sure. And, you know, but I, I guess before that long layoff, right, like, he, you know, we all knew how skilled he was. We all knew that he was one of the top guys. Uh, but he never did finish guys a lot. Like, he went on a long streak, I think, of just decisioning guys, even lost a couple that were probably bad decisions or at least, you know, tough decisions to call. And then he comes back and was like, fuck it. I'm just going for it. Like you said, he said, fuck it. And 
start going for it. And it paid, you know, massive dividends for him. Right? Like it just changed his life. And you know, like you said, good for him, man. Like I think there's a lot of guys probably um, similar paths to him that are, you know, beasts like that. Um, and they don't ever get that payoff. There are certain guys that when they, when they reach that payoff that you kind of do feel like, it's weird. This is not a knock on Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor's earned it. Like he became a star, but he came in day one. People were paying attention to him in the UFC. Like even on his first fight afterwards, people were like, who is this guy? What Conor? What? Like, and, and then he, you know, he blew up immediately. Mazadal took the longest fucking road to like get people to pay attention to him yeah. because he, he, I'm, I'll never forget. I wish I could find the radio show or, or article I wrote about it. When he fought Gilbert Burns for the lightweight title in Strike Force, I said, This is the guy. And I, I, I'll be honest, I picked Gilbert to win the fight, and Gilbert did win their fight. But I said, This is the guy Mel- who took the. What's that? Melendez. Yep, Gilbert Melendez. And I Gilbert said, Burns. Oh, Gilbert Burns. Sorry, Gilbert Melendez. And he fought Gilbert Melendez. And I said, um, I said, This is the guy who took a long way to get here. But man, do not underrate Gilbert. Do not underrate Jorge Mazadal in this fight. Like, you know, Jorge is a monster. He just doesn't get. He doesn't get the attention because that's just not who he is. Boy, like when he got there and he made it, I was kind of like, in a weird way, I was like happy for him because, man, like there's certain guys, you know how it is, Matt. You bust your ass and you're just, you know, you just don't become a household name. And, um, you know, you're more of a household name, but like some guys, you know, like I always bring up Mike Pyle. For some reason, Mike Pyle's an example, a guy who busted his ass, had a great reputation amongst fighters, but just never never quite reached that level of like, you know, real stardom or, or, or where people really knew who he was. So like, I was legitimately happy for, for Jorge Masvidal when he became a star. I was like, God, man, good for you. Like, good for you. Yeah. So I said, there's a lot of guys out there just like, I just never reach it. Um, I mean, I, I don't really think I'm a household name necessarily, but you know, probably among MMA fighters with, uh, household MMA fighters, you know, but, <laughs> You know, not like to the level of a Connor or certainly not Connor or George Masvidal, but you know, like yeah, Mike Powell's a great example of like he's a guy that it's a little different though, where he just couldn't get it done under the lights, man. Like he was just such a, and I knew that when I fought him, right? Like because I trained with him before, and I was like, God, this guy, like, how am I going to beat this motherfucker? Why do I got to fight him? You know, <laughs> and, I mean, he was a friend of mine, and like he taught me a lot of tricks and stuff, and I was like, God damn, like everybody knew, you know, he was the guy to avoid an extreme couture, like, cause he's going to beat the hell out of you. And, you know, that's extreme couture. That's where every savage was going, especially back in the day. And then, but I knew that he didn't perform under the lights well. And that's how I took advantage of it. And I was like, you know, it went out there. Fortunately, you know, like I said, he's a great example, man. I don't need to get into my own fight with him, but uh, he's a great, exa- a great example. But there's a lot of guys like that, man. There's a lot of guys that are just flying under the radar that are just savages, man. We see them in the gym all the time. You go to some gym and you'll you'll find some guy that, you know, just fucking blows your mind what he can do. And you're like, dude, why aren't you a world champion right now? And, you know, it just works out that way sometimes. I remember when I was at Factory X, there was probably more guys there like that than any place I'd ever been. They had so many guys that would just give you fucking hell all over the place. And then for whatever reason, they just never panned out. Some of them are starting to pan out now. Like Gutierrez, uh, he's one. Like I knew it back in the day. I was like, God, this guy is a savage, man. Uh, there's a couple more others, others also. 
Yeah, it's true. I always, I don't know. I always fall back to Mike Pyle because everybody you ever talk to is like, if there was a, if there was a United, you know, if there was like a ultimate gym championship guy, it was Mike Pyle. Like every single person would be like, that dude will beat your ass, but he yeah, just couldn't quite. See, uh, I want to see Sean Strickland versus Mike Pyle in the gym. <laughs> but he just when the light, but that's, we were talking earlier about the whole Pereira thing. Like, when the lights come on and there's 19,000 people and millions more watching, that's a whole other level of pressure. Like it's just a different, and some people aren't built for that. And that's okay. That's not a knock on them. That's okay. But it takes a special fucking breed to go out there and do what you do and go out there and perform at that level. Because I, dude, I like, I would shit myself. Like I have no doubt in my mind, there'd be a brown streak running behind me as I left the cage. Cause I'm not built for that. I know I'm not. That's why I held, that's why I hold fighters in such high admiration because it takes fucking balls of steel to go out there and do what you do. And some guys, and again, it's not a knock on them. It's just some people aren't, they can't do that. They, 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 they wilt under the lights. And cause that's why we always talk about like the, you know, you go in and break your ass physically to get ready for a fight. Every fighter does, or most fighters I would assume do, but then it's the mental side. You know what I mean? If you're not mentally there, when you walk into that cage, you're fucked. I mean, and it's not just 100%. the pressure. There's, there's a million different things, but if you're not mentally there, you're beaten more or less. Yeah. It's just, I, I think a matter of fighters dealing with consequences differently, right? Like the consequences of losing a gym are very low. Um, one old mental coach I had used to use the analogy of, you know, if he put a two by four on the floor and, you know, could you just walk across it right without falling off by just one foot in front of the other, just balance yourself on the two by four. Yeah. You could probably do it. Right. My, now, if he puts it 100 feet up in the air and the consequence of stepping off his death, you know, how many people can do it? And that's what it takes for a fighter to be able to do it. Like the consequences completely change when you're under the lights. And that's just a separator from the good and the great, man. And, you know, I've dealt with some of these things before, too. You know, I haven't always performed under the lights. And I think most fighters would be honest with you and be like, you know, sometimes I've um, – beat myself before I walked in there. And sometimes I thrive on it more. Like I'm the type of guy personally where when there's a bigger crowd and there's more pressure, I actually feel better and perform better. Well, when it's a lesser crowd or a, a lower pressure, that's why I wanted the crowds back so bad. Right. When, when there's no crowd, like, um, you know, I can handle it and I can still fight. Like I know how to do this, right. Like I know how to fight. I'm still a, a tough motherfucker. I'm still a bad dude. Um, but it, it's, it just doesn't feel the same and you don't get that same uh, energy. It's a, it's a, it's a weird, I know it's not a good example, not a good comparison, but the best I can give you for like, and you, I'm saying this to you because you know, like when you go, I know again, totally different, but in terms of energy, when you go to a really great concert and the crowd is fucking into it and it's loud and, and you, the band feeds off it. Right. And the band puts on a better show. And then you and I have both probably been to shows where the crowd kind of sucks and there's no energy and just the band's not giving it back and the show and like a band that you know is good. They're just like, eh, kind of like a, you, we leave the concert. You're kind of like, that was kind of shitty. Like it wasn't a good show. It's a give and take. Right. And that energy you get, like, cause I know how much you hated fighting in the apex, like how just like, it just, it's a different, yeah, you're a pro you're going to go out and fight and you can go out and win and you won and things like that. But 
there's certain energy you get from being there in that crowd. And again, like I said, not everyone's built that way, but obviously it sounds like you are where like that energy that, that feed that feeds you, you know, walking out and the music hits and fucking 19,000 people losing their minds and the introductions, and the crowd, yeah. like, you know, that you feed on that, like that's an energy for you. And that's what I'm like, I know it's a bad comparison with the whole musician thing with the concert, but like, that's what I think of. Cause I've been to concerts where the crowd is just dog shit. And the band reacts to that. Like, they're just like, we're not going to give energy because you're not giving us energy. And that's kind of like, again, with the fight thing, like when you go out there in the fight, the crowd, and you don't have that. And it's just a, again, you can get past it. Obviously you have and done, but yeah, there's just so like you said, you thrive under the lights. You thrive when there's 19,000 people losing their shit. Yeah. I mean, I want more. Like when I fought in Brazil, I think there were 60,000 people. And I mean, I just absolutely loved it. (laughs) You know, I didn't end up winning, you know, like Damian Myers, tough matchup for me, I guess, or whatever, <laughs> but I, I absolutely loved it. And uh, and I to- totally feel like I thrived um, in that situation, man. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people, they can deal with it probably better than they think they can. It's all just, I think, in how they frame it to themselves, how they use their own self-talk, their own language and things like that. And um, those are the kind of things I'll talk about when um, – you know, I, I don't know if I ever mentioned on the <laughs> sorry. Don't know if I ever mentioned on this podcast before. I'm working on building an online curriculum with uh, you know, I'm gonna do uh Muay Thai for MMA and you know, just MMA training all together, you know, some ground stuff and wrestling. And part of that will be a mental side of things and it's just to, you know, help the next generation start giving back and start I, you know, I think that's what life is all about, right? It's just giving back. Um, you know, that's like like a tree for instance like it only grows to make fruit to make other trees right that's what our purpose in life is is to give back so um that's something i'm working on and um you know so i'll get deep into this man this is uh i think that like the self-talk and the language that people use within themselves um makes a much larger difference than you know at first it sounds kind of woo-woo-ish or you know like you're doing fucking yoga or something um (laughs) It, it actually works, man. It actually can save your life, uh, no matter what kind of situation you're in. And uh, when you see someone like Mark Coleman, my buddy, um, changing his life, you know, go follow him on Instagram, Mark D. Coleman. And uh, when you see someone like him change his life, the first thing you notice is the uh, verbiage that he uses with himself. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild, you know, going full circle back to what we talked about at the beginning, like the mental aptitude you have to make and like, Another thing I just want to praise Israel Adesanya about, like, you know, making yes. that mental adjustment, like that's so huge because in, in, in like, I'll be the first, like that again, I'm built different. Like if somebody had beat me three times, I would be intimidated. Like I, that I'm not built that way. I know like that, that, but that's, <laughs> but that's, that's normal human emotion though. Right. Like when you lose, like, you're just like, I'm not you know, like, it's just not for me. He's not built that way though. He's like, this beat me three, give me four. He beat me four, give me five. He beat me five, give me six. That's that, that's his mentality. And he went in there and took it. And I love that because that's what it takes to go out there and do that. Like he was never, he was, he may have lost, but he was never beaten. You know what I mean? Like he lost, but he was never beaten. A hundred percent. You could have said it better myself. And that's why to me, this was one of the most epic fights of all time. And this is, I don't know, you know, how we're going to place him in the GOAT list eventually. Um, but that the way that he did this, I can't help but put him in somewhere in the top five, man. Like, like I, to be honest, I don't think a lot of 
even other goats could have done that. You know, oh. when we talk about, you know, I'm not, I don't even have to mention names, but you know, a lot of these other guys, the great champions, I don't think could have done that. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, hundred percent, like I said, I think there's, I think the best example, in my opinion, is John Jones, you know, almost losing Augustuson and then coming back and, you know, vanquishing that demon. He did it, you know, he's done it a couple times in his career, guys that he kind of eked by and then went out there and he's done it. And Cormier beat him the first time, then he went out and knocked him out the second time. Like, guy, but that's a special breed. Like I said, you're right. Like, Jones, there's a couple guys on that list, but, um, yeah, and, and even like, you know, you could argue GSP when he got knocked out by Sarah, but I think even Sarah, that was just, I think that was more GSP. I think that was GSP overlooking Sarah, if I'm being honest. Like, I think he just thought he was going out there and wiped him out with him. And then when he got caught, he's like, oh shit. And like, he just. But that's the whole thing. There's, I, I couldn't even think of other examples other but there's than not. Maybe Marquez. But yeah. in MMA, I can't think of any other examples of someone coming back after three losses. You know, oh, yeah. he, of course, only one in, in MMA, but you know, he, he, the guy standing across from him, he fought three times and beat him three times, knocked him out twice. Like even in boxing, I can't think of anywhere a guy, you know, like Marquez came back and beat Pacquiao, but he didn't get knocked out. I mean, he was, I thought he won one of them. I can't remember which one, but one of the first two fights they had, um, you know, like there's times when guys lose and come back, but, I mean, he got flatlined twice. Yeah. You know, like that's a, that is such a huge mount, mental mountain to climb, man. Like, like you just, we could spend the whole podcast just praising Adesanya for this moment, man. That, that was just to me, um, you know, you got to at least put it in one of the top five greatest fights of all time. So where you say he's top five goat, you say that, and I think about it, and I'm like, you're not wrong. Like I'm trying to think of my list right now. I put John, I put John Jones number one, without a doubt. I put GSP up there. I put Anderson, Demetrius, Adesanya. I don't know. What's the five? What's I, your five? I gotta wonder if I'm a, if I would replace him with a replace GSP with him. Put him that high. I mean. Look at the title defenses. How many GSP have? Nine total. How many did Asanya have? He had seven total, yeah. Very close. You know, just on, on that number right there. And, um, yeah. That, just, I, I, haven't, I mean, I have to sit down and think about it, I guess, and give us all opinion and arbitrary stuff. Um, you know, when you, when you start looking at all these goats, I mean, there's so much – that goes into it and you know it's a tough one man I'm, I'm not sure but you know maybe like even with gsp or anderson you know it's like maybe even with someone but th i don't know this fight just hit me a different way man and maybe i'm a little biased right now because it just happened this weekend and um you know still a little bit high from it um but it, it definitely gave me a buzz man watching that and um and adesanya just the way he did it i just I just, I think that's a, an extremely special person to be able to do that. Well, I mean, again, and not even ranking him, but just putting him in the top five says a lot. Like, you don't have to rank him, but like top five all time, that says a lot about where he's at. I don't know whether you put him two, three, four, whatever. I don't care about that, yeah. but you, you, you would consider him top five now. Top five all time Israel Adesanya. Man, I have a hard time. Yeah, I have a hard time saying no to that. I mean, I, I just don't see how you could. I mean, 
like what a mountain to overcome, bro. You know, like you can't, again, I, I cannot sit here and say enough great things about what a competitor, what an athlete, what, and look at the guys he's beat before too. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm basing the whole thing off this one fight. I mean, look at the guys that he's beat before, you know, he's got a fucking resume. He is just spectacular, man. And, uh, boy, it's fucking amazing what he's doing. I just leave it at that. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll be the first to admit, I lost a little faith in Israel and he had a couple of kind of, you know, not great fights. The Cannoneer fight was kind of boring. The Vittori rematch was kind of boring. And I was like, he's just kind of coasting through. And he was going through a little bit of his John Jones phase when John Jones was fighting Reyes and fighting Santos and just didn't seem all that interested, you know, just kind of beating the guys who were in front of him. Then he lost a prayer and I was like, well, you know, maybe that was just the passing of the torch. And then he came back and was like, oh yeah, really? I'm just going to burn this guy alive. Right, and he did right. it. And like, and, and, that's, that, and, that's what, and, and, jo- and Jones did the same thing. Like I, I wasn't doubting John Jones going into the serial gone fight. I picked him to win that fight, but for him to go out there and just demolish that guy inside oh, like three oh. minutes, I was like, yep, he's that dude. And Israel Adesanya is absolutely that fucking dude. Yeah, and it, when you look at, like, the Cannoneer fight and stuff, um, or Vittori or whatever, um, he, I mean, look, it, maybe he was a, a little burned out. Maybe he took it a little easy. I don't know. From my perception, he fought very fucking smart. I mean, he didn't take damage in those fights, right? Like, he wasn't getting beat up. He wasn't um, – maybe he wasn't taking the risk that, that we would like to see but he was winning handedly. Like, I don't know if he lost a round to those guys, you know? It's no, like, I don't think so. I don't think so. It, yeah, bro. It's like, you, you can't hate on a guy for not losing a fucking round. Like why you want to fix what's not broken. Like you won the round, do it again. If the knockout comes, it comes. And, uh, you know, if, if we want to like kind of compare with the other goats that we always talk about, I mean, GSP had a very unexciting career and, uh, you know, as a, as a champion, and, uh, you know, we simply put him up there for his wins, his amount of wins and not losing rounds. Right. And I'll be the, I'll be the first to admit, I probably set, you know, I just had such high, like I set an almost impossibly high standard for Israel because how good he is. Like, I'll fully admit that like his, my expectations were for him were so high that when he doesn't live up to that, I'm like, well, that was disappointing, but you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, yeah, he absolutely dominated those guys. It's just Israel's so good that like, I expect him to just dazzle every single time. And I know that's not always going to be the case, but listen, man, he finally found the guy to make him dazzle. He lost a fight. He came back out there and just, I mean, I, like I said, I don't root for anyone to lose, but, and, and, you know, in a way I think he needed that. Like, I think he needed that prayer fight and then came out and did it. Like, I think he needed it. And boy, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to fight Israel's Adesanya right now. Fuck that. That dude just, (laughs) uh, he, he proved like 10 different things to me in that fight. And I'm like, Nope, don't want any piece of that guy now. Yeah. Look, it's sort of when you watch like the world's best wrestling or, you know, the world's best, anything, you know, it doesn't always get exciting, right? They have to play smart. They have to play exciting. You know, like wrestling is a perfect example. Like college wrestling is way more exciting than the international um, world championships, right? Because like these guys, they know like tiny, tiny little mistakes lead to uh, losses, right? So they they can't take that risk for that mistake. Um, I I think you see the same thing in a lot of high-level sports. Like college football is more exciting than than pro football, right? Like, you know, I think it's a, a standard thing in sports. 
when you get to a certain level. Um, and, and that was, I think that was also kind of what was so amazing about like, uh, particularly Anderson Silva, right? Because it wasn't just him beating these guys. Like he was making them look like they were fucking amateurs sometimes. Yeah. Doing it to what he did to Forrest Griffin and the late great Stephen Bonner and some and James Irvin when he went to 205, like he just, yeah. Oh my God, dude, that was, yeah, he was a killer. And uh, yeah, like I said, man, Adesanya's in that conversation now. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, when you really think about it, you know, like I said, I don't know the rankings. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But like, if you said Jones, GSP, uh, Anderson, Demetrius, and Adesanya, I, I, like me personally, if I said that was the list, I'll be, yeah, I, I think that's pretty good. Like, that's a yeah. pretty damn good top five right there. Yeah, man. It's, I, especially with this one. Again, maybe it's just the buzz of this fight, but. Um, this like this whole weekend with the Adesanya and the way that he did that was extra extra special, and to me it was at least the most epic um, championship fight comeback that I've ever seen. Man, I mean it was. I can't say enough good things about it, bro. I'd go on all day. I uh, he doesn't do a lot of media anymore, which is fine. He doesn't have to, but I feel like at some point. I want to get like a mental podcast and just get you and Adesanya on together. Like I'll just bow out, let you guys talk. Cause I think that'd be a fascinating conversation uh, because I know how much you put into like the mental aspect of your game. And I feel like he, ha- I mean, I know he does, he talks about it, but like he's such a smart fighter and such a smart, like the way he approaches it and hearing him talk this last week. And I was just fascinated by everything he was saying. And I'm just like, damn, like I'd, lo- I'd love to hear that conversation between the two of you guys. Just talk about like the mental aspect of fighting. Cause I know you train with him and you have like high praise for him. Uh, but I'd love to see you guys just sit down and chat for like an hour about the mental, mental conditioning of fighting. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'd love to also, man, you know, he's a really, really cool guy. That's one of the nicest things that I think, uh, I've, found about Israel. So like I said, he said, I trained with him when he was fighting for glory. So, you know, he wasn't like famous or anything. And then of course I knew who he was, but most people didn't. Um, and then I hung out with him once he was champion and it was the same guy, man. There, there wasn't no difference in his demeanor, how he spoke to others. He still shook everybody's hands, still hung out, still had a good time. Identical as far as I could tell. Yeah. Awesome to hear. You love hearing that. And like I said, man, he's back on top of the world and deservedly so. What a performance. Maybe we'll see it for a third time. Real quick before we get out of here, Matt, I know we kind of just talked pretty much the entire show about 287. Uh, this weekend, Max Holloway takes on Arnold Adams in a really intriguing featherweight fight uh, from Kansas City, actually. Uh, I know we didn't spend any time talking about this, and I don't want to take up much time talking about this, but do you have a pick in that one? Because Holloway's coming back. First time since he lost to Volkanovski again. Arnold Adams is on a on a great run. Uh, Arnold Allen, I, on, I said, sorry, I call him Arnold Adams. Arnold Allen is on a great run. Uh, eight or nine or ten fight win streak, something ridiculous like that. Some great winning streak they're fighting. Maybe a number one contender's fight. Um, you got a pick in that one? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Holloway, man. Like, I think matchup-wise... Um, the way Allen fights, uh, it just plays right into Max's game. I'm with you. I still have faith in Max. You know, it's like, dude, like, there's no shame in getting beat by Alexander Volkanovsky. That guy's a monster. Um, credit to Volkanovsky for getting it done. But I'm not ready to cash out my chips on the Max Holloway train, man. That guy's yeah. too good. Um, 
you know, I think when you lose, people start questioning, like, oh, is he finally losing a step or whatever? No, I I think Max is just as good. He just he got beat by a better fighter, and that's okay. Uh, Arnold is good. Arnold Allen is really good, but I I can't not I can't I can't go against Max, man. Max is a monster, dude. When that guy fights, man, it's like every time he fights, it's musty television. Uh, I love watching that dude fight. I'm glad he's back, and this is a really fun matchup. And um, again, unless he fights Volkanovski again, I'm probably not going to pick against Max against anybody at featherweight. Like that's no offense to anybody fighting at featherweight, but I don't think I'd pick against anyone. Uh, I don't think I'd pick against Max against anyone other than Volkanovski. Yeah, yeah, it makes it tough for the division, right? Because everybody's, you know, might have to go through Max to get that title shot, right? He's just, <laughs> he's gonna like Volk must love it. He's just gonna knock everybody off for him. But uh, yeah, everyone else, everyone else is like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I can see is like Allen does have that power to um, you know change a fight. You know, he's not necessarily like a knockout guy. You know, like a um, you know one punch knockout type of guy. But I can see where he could land a hard enough shot to change the fight and put Max in a defensive mode. Uh, and that's really my only question with it. You know, I I don't see other, a whole lot of other paths for Allen to win this fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I, it's hard, man. Like, you know, we've only, we haven't seen Max lose that much. Right. So we don't really know where the holes are. Um, you know, when you look at the boxing, um, that plays into Max's game. So, um, and Allen, you know, he doesn't fight like Volkanovski does, you know, and, and Volkanovski is the type of matchup that's going to give Max problems every single time they fight. But, um, you know, Allen doesn't move that way. He doesn't come in and out the way Volkanovski does. So it's going to be, uh, I think it's an uphill battle for Allen. Uh, but this is also the type of fight I feel like kind of surprises people too, right? Like this is, if Allen gets it done, this is coming out party, right? Like this is his, he's going to be on everybody's radar at this point. If he's able to go in there and get it done. So he's going to be extra motivated. He's going to be on fire. He's going to give it everything he's got. And, uh, uh, but matchup wise, it's, it's really hard to pick against Max here. I think. Yep. I'm with you. Let's keep this train rolling, Matt. We got two picks right last weekend. Let's keep this train rolling. We're both picking Max Holloway. Let's see if we go three for three this weekend. Uh, obviously, we say thank you to everyone that tunes into the fighter versus the rider each and every week. Matt, before we get out of here, of course, you are in the middle of your training camp, five weeks to go um, until your fight against Court McGee on May 13th in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, where can people go to support you, to support what you got going on uh, leading into your big fight on May 13th? Um, you know, I, I'm Immortal, Twitter and Instagram. Check it out. The Immortal Coffee uh, on Twitter and Instagram. I think uh, Twitter will allow so many characters. So it's actually C-O-F-F-E. Or, <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, The Immortal Coffee. Um, check out my gym, Immortal Martial Arts. Check out my sponsor, Routine, R-O-O-T-I-N-E dot C-O. How many, how many cups of coffee do you have a day, Matt? Um, only one or two, honestly. Like I don't like okay. that. If I drink it after like eleven o'clock in the morning, I don't even sleep at night. So <laughs> it, it's crazy, man. I'm very, very caffeine sensitive. Um, but I fucking love good coffee, man. That's just, that's just the difference. It's fucking amazing coffee. The immortal coffee is a different breed. You take one of that, you'll be jacked up for like four days straight. So you know, it's the yeah, that's the good coffee. Well. I'll tell you what, you know, the, I don't do a, much of anything it, 
outside of moderation except training, right? Like I, I train extreme. Um, I fight extreme, things like that. Most of my diet, most of the things I do are in moderation. I keep the caffeine in moderation, but I prefer quality over quantity. That's what my coffee company is all about. Quality. We have the best coffee you'll ever have. Um, so, you know, everybody check out. I said the immortal coffee.com, the immortal, the immortal coffee on um, Instagram, Twitter. And I'm going to keep on with my quality morning cup or two of coffee. Every time you see, this is what I hate about not liking coffee. I hear so many people talk about good coffee. It makes me jealous. I'm like, man, I wish I liked coffee, but I've tried it so many times. It's just not for me, man. Do you not do caffeine at all? No, I do caffeine. I just, I've never gotten into the taste of coffee. I just never, like I used to, when I was younger, I never really cared for beer all that much. When I was drinking, I would always have like mixed drinks. And then as years went on, I learned to love beer. Like I'm a beer drinker now. Like when I don't drink often, like very rarely do I drink, but when I do drink, I like beer now. Like I like a good beer, but I've tried coffee, man. So many different ways. I've tried it with just black. I've tried it mixed with cream and sugar. I've mixed it with every, I just, I just, I just don't like the taste. I don't have a good excuse for it. I just, and I've tried man. Cause everyone makes me jealous. Like dude, a good cup of coffee is the great, the greatest thing ever. Everyone's always talking about coffee. I'm like, all right, I got to get into it. And I just, I've never found, I've never found a flavor that made me not go, no, this, this isn't for me. I feel it, man. It's an acquired taste. It's not for everyone, but it's for most people. I think it's like the most traded commodity in the world or some shit. Like it's I'm, one of the top. I'm jealous though, because I want to, I want to enjoy what these people are enjoying with coffee and I just immortal coffee. I want to try it, but I know like I would give it a bad review because I don't like coffee. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe just try like for like two weeks straight every day, just drink a cup and, you know, there's actually a lot of health benefits to it. You know, they, they, they've they shown a lot of crazy health benefits that I didn't even know existed until I owned a coffee company and suddenly I got to learn about coffee. So Now, are you are you a, just a black coffee drinker or do you put stuff in it? No, you know, I, I like a little bit of cream, but um, sometimes I like a little bit of cream. Sometimes I like it black. Um, but anytime I'm trying a coffee for the first time, I'll always go black because I want to see what it tastes like. Um, but I just like to look, honestly, I don't even necessarily like the cream for the flavor or anything. I just like to cool it off. Sometimes I'll put like some ice in it or something because I just don't like it, uh, so hot at the beginning. Uh, but I do not like the fucking like Starbucks with the you know, 10 different names and, and fucking Italian, French, German, and all this shit. And I'm just, it's like, dude, just get a fucking coffee and go. Oh, <laughs> that's a that's not coffee anymore. That's a milkshake. When you put like everything under the yeah. sun in it, it's no longer coffee. It's just a milkshake. Yeah, caffeinated milkshake. Exactly. Yeah, just but, just say you just say you want a milkshake and be done with it. Don't don't talk about coffee. You're not drinking coffee. You're drinking a milkshake. Yeah, but honestly, probably my favorite though is uh, espresso black, which is you know it's just like a shot. You know, it's not a um, you know it's not a whole cup or anything. It doesn't necessarily taste as good, but the buzz is so much better. <laughs> that's like the the espresso is the super caffeinated. That's like the that's like the five hour energy of uh, of, of of coffee. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I love five hour energies too. I'm not going to lie. So. Yeah. So oh, there you go. Immortal coffee. All right. We'll be back next week with more. Uh, we'll talk about the fallout from uh, Holloway and, uh, and uh, Alan, of course, next weekend, we got Curtis blades and your boy, Sergey Pavlovich. That's coming up next weekend. And we're getting closer and closer into the immortal making his return. Of course, obviously we mentioned uh, Matt will be taking off a little bit of time leading into his fight, but we'll, we'll get details on that down the road. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, over on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. For Matt Brown, I'm Damon Martin. We'll see you guys next week for another edition of the fighter versus the writer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.